as an industry we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures, with the human side of the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Brian Fairbanks, current creator of Lost and Hound. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Brian. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, Paul. How are you doing? Really, really well. And I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. I know that uh, the the audio listeners of this show, which is to say all of the listeners of this show, um, can't have the, the fortuitous uh, thing that I have right now, which is to see your dog in the background there. But it's it's awesome to see and it's awesome to have that backdrop considering the, the nature of the title, the, the title that we're going to be talking about shortly, some of your, your current work. Um, what sort of breed have you got there? <laughs> um, she's a an Australian cattle dog mixed with Kelpie and I think Weimarana. Oh, yeah? Um, but yeah, she she must have known what was going on. She's what well, my dogs are also all the sounds in the game, so she's one of the principal voice actors. So you've got some talent on screen right now for you. Oh, that's awesome! So we've double dipped. I I'm, I can get all around that. <laughs> So this is Dev Diary, so usually we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey that has led to this current point in time. But before we get to all of that, and you're doing some really, really cool things, and we're going to touch on a really fascinating game, Lost and Hound, uh, and Hound for anyone who may be unaware. But before we get to that, I'd love to rewind to a point before all the actual active game development work and focus on a time where maybe all you knew was playing video games and i guess the question simple do you recall what the first game was that you ever played or what some of the first games were that you ever played yeah i've i've been gaming for as long as i can remember um i would have to say the first games i remember probably the original diablo on um pc um and and that one just got me started on everything you know it's got me started on playing games and I um it got me into doing music too. I, I started, you know, asking what can I do for um playing music in school and I started playing clarinet at fourth year four. Um and it, it, it started a lot of things. That's probably my my first real big game, you know. I mean it's a good starting sure point. everybody played Mario and Zelda, but yeah, yeah, no. Dia- Diablo was was probably the the real one that, that really started everything for me. No, that's yeah. a fantastic pick and I guess how did things develop from there for you? Was that were there any particular I mean Diablo sticker, I suppose Diablo two kind of awkward time because we had to wait an eternity before Diablo three ever turned up. But were there any yeah, particular franchises yeah, it, or genres or even specific titles that really stuck with you as you grew up? Uh not really, not really. I mean, if 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 the game had a good soundtrack, if it had a good game loop, I was into it. You know, I mean, I've played um, all you know the Mario's, Zelda's. Um, I really liked strategy games. I was really really got into the StarCraft. Warcraft before yep. it was a, an MMO, um, but yeah, you know, I, I there wasn't much of an indie scene back when I was super young. But um, no, that's that's awesome, and um, I mean, some awesome choices there. If, if I if I do say so myself, there's there's some games that I also have spent a lot of time with. There um, was there a game at all that you identify as being 
important. And I guess like something you've touched on a little bit so far and something we're certainly going to continue to focus on as we move through the show is, is uh, you obviously talking about the music and the, uh, the, the, the audio kind of backing of a lot of these games. Was there a particular game or collection of experiences that guided you towards a pursuit of actually creating games yourself or being a part of the creation of games themselves? You know, I don't think there was. Um, I I always, you know, I, growing up, I always played games, but I always had that thought, you can't make money doing this. You can't make this a job. You can't succeed at this. You know, I always had that in the back of my head. I- no, it's not, I mean, that, that idea of, you know, that many, many of us have had over the years of, you know, games are this mystical thing made by machines or or could only you know for for a long time people going they can only ever be made in japan and that's something like we don't have a an industry out here all those sorts of old and ultimately incorrect but um kind of folk stories that people kind of adopted and you know pieces of fiction that people just kind of adopted and accepted as being the way things were i mean what you've described there is not uncommon really yeah yeah and i mean it's it, even with all of the indie indie studios you know out of people's bedrooms today it still must happen all the time people just think oh i i wouldn't succeed at this i wouldn't yeah. be able to make this my life you know so it's it, it is sad in a way but, um, but makes it yeah. all the more satisfying when it works out right that's very true that's very true yeah so how did this journey actually begin in the first place you've obviously mentioned that like the the music of games is a really um big part of things for you you obviously mentioned the the clarinet and your own engagement in the the creation of music how did the journey all begin from from there i mean we've spoken again about some of the games that you played but you know playing them to then making them is still a very big jump as we just discussed so how did it get going it was yeah it was a big jump i mean i i guess it was just sort of a series of gradual things like thinking like oh you know You'll you'll read um, you'll read an article about a, a composer, and you know I look at their skills, and I look at my skills, and I think I'm not that far off, you know. I mean, yep. and it just kind of was a series of sequences where you think they're great, but you know I'm I'm not them. I'm not as talented as they are, but I'm not awful. Like I could I could maybe get there. So it just kind of eventually got to a point where it's like, you know, you you're you're so into sound and music and gaming like why not just give it a shot there's no reason not to really so yeah. I, I did i started to audio freelance i started to teach myself um you know composing um on digital audio workstations on the computer um started to learn all that technology started to learn sound uh, processing foley um dialogue um went to uni here in western australia um for that for sound and yep. radio and um it just like it just kind of was a really slow process of like you know humanizing the people that you grew up worshiping you know it's like that's that person's normal that person's a human like i'm i can maybe do that someday you know where where when you're young there's this divide and you think like yeah. oh my god they're amazing i'm never going to be as good as that person so i i think that's something that that the indie industry and you know modern communication does so well is you can actually talk to the person that made this yeah. awesome content, you know, and that's new. That's incredible. Um, and it, it took me a while to get there, but I'm there now. So life is good. Look, to be fair, that I mean, I know you obviously you're describing kind of when we're younger, we kind of look at these people and they're superstars and I can never do that or be that or interact with this person or whatever. I mean, for myself and without kind of railroading things too much, like that was really something that like I felt like I suffered from a little bit until really the beginning of this show and like I, I, yes I 
I, I don't you know make games. I write about them. I report on them. Maybe maybe one day I'll get involved. I don't know. I, I don't know if the the skill set is there yet, or maybe I just haven't found my specific <laughs> calling within the space yet. I don't know. But um, <laughs> like yeah, I mean the the nature of this show, ninety plus episodes in, and getting to talk to incredible people such as yourself that have been doing some really really cool things in this industry. You think I, I'm not on that level. I'll never be on that level, and yet we get to sit here and chat about some of the awesome things you're doing. Like it's something that I'll always look fondly upon and i think to your point like these walls are crumbling that divide between you know anyone whether whether you're a small time creator in in game in the game space or the the biggest of the big like these pathways are there now more than they've ever been before and i think it's fantastic yeah for any aspiring likewise it's it's an incredible kind of situation to be in where you know, the person that, that created this content that you love is a Twitter handle away or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I'm a solo developer. I'm, I made this game on my own, and um, it was really, like, it was really difficult and lonely. And, um, you know, where you say uh, maybe, you know, you'll be making your way into the game industry, I mean, when I, I was at my, you know, loneliest, whatever you want to call it, um, my biggest struggles during making this, you know, I would turn to games news because yeah. it reminded me that there are people in the world that care so much about this stuff. Like they care so much about this content and, and gaming. And it's like, and you know, people like you in your work remind people like me that like we are a community and there are people waiting for your content. And it's an incredibly kind of like Thank you. hope restoring thing, what you do. So I hope you, do consider yourself part of the game industry because you know I certainly would. Sorry, yeah, I, I guess to be clear, like I kind of meant uh, development versus yeah, like the development sure, side sure, specifically. Sure. But yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be there one day. I've, I feel like I've yeah. learned a lot from all these conversations over the years, and <laughs> will continue to do so. So maybe I'll find, maybe I'll pull all that together and make something of myself in this space. We'll see what happens. Um, sure. I guess I mean we're going to kind of focus on again Lost and Hound shortly. There's there's even uh, Ghoul Britannia that I've that I've got noted here as well. Is that like one of the earlier projects? It was in it was in early access in 2019 at one stage there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That uh, was um, another Perth project. Um, I was the um, I was the uh, composer and um, audio specialist on that one. And there was a lot of dynamic music and dynamic audio, which was really it was a great role. It was amazing role for me um, but that one um, is over and it, it will not be uh, released but I mean it was a really it was really a cool project when it was going it was a really funny project um, funny premise and it you know it's really sad to see projects like that um, you know end. I guess Look, what, what I'll uh, absolutely acknowledge now before we even dive into the, the core of Lost and Hound is the, the wonderful naming conventions of every uh, of these two games that you've been a part of from, from Ghoul Britannia, <laughs> land, land of Hope and Gory, as well as Lost and Hound. Like, I, you, I wish I could take... Gravitate sorry, towards some great game names. I, I wish I could take credit for um, Ghoul Britannia. I wish I could, but I, that, that name was, was decided before I joined the team so uh, claimant I, I i love the name too but I, I it's not one of mine sadly no i claim that one it's fine uh <laughs> may as well right yeah, exactly right where's like the game's <laughs> unfortunately not available so you can you can say you can claim all these things now there's there's no harm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love that title so i, I guess 
the overarching, I mean, we're, we're going to get to Lost and Howden in, in, in moments, really, at this point, but we've got Daisy Ale Soundworks as well, which is, and it, we've, we've touched on the, the fact that obviously music and the, the sound design and those sorts of aspects was, is really, I guess, your core. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's led to other ways to channel your skill set as well. So what's, uh, what's the, the Daisy Ale Soundworks platform provided for you so far, as well as obviously the, the ability to go on and develop the likes of Lost and Hand? Well, um, it's it's been great for my audio freelancing. It's been great for kind of making a name for myself in the Perth space, um, Perth game development um, community. Um, and, you know, I have freelanced overseas as well for, for projects overseas, I should say. Um, so it's it's been a good foundation to kind of, um, you know, kind of just create this online presence. And then when I decided to transition into um, game dev, um, it was it was kind of nice to already have that name sitting there, I guess. And I yeah. I thought about changing it to studios, but I you know everything I do is is really heavily um, influenced by sound, so I just kept the sound works in there, even though I do um, create you know software and games. No, that's that's really cool. Um, in terms of the the freelancing stuff, is there anything that uh, people listening might? Uh, I mean, they may not have realized that you've been a part of, but uh, might give some additional thought to the game when they realize um any that people would know yeah i mean i i i don't think there's anything that they would have heard of it's it's you know it was um small games here and there and um you know there were some youtube videos um for um there's like a, a corporation that was devoted to not corporation i'm sorry organization devoted to um combating human trafficking in Australia. I did a few of their videos. That was great. Um, but you know, it was, it was, it was some things that were really great projects, but they weren't the kind of projects that launch you up to the next part of your career. So, you know, they were great, but they weren't, I don't think anybody would have heard of them. Yeah. Really valuable experience, but ultimately not the, 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 yeah, the big propelling opportunities. Well, let's hope, and this is the perfect segue here. Let's hope that lost and hand is absolutely that because, Agreed. Uh, as uh, as people will soon be aware on the Player Two website, there'll be a a um, piece that's been penned by myself and potentially multiple Player Two folks. Uh, we'll see how the, all that comes together. But I've spent a little bit of time with the game, and I'm really having a great time with it so far. But Good. before I we kind of wade into that side of things and the, how it's being received and the plan, because obviously we're getting close to a launch and all those re- uh, those really important facets. For anyone who's not aware of Lost in Hand, and I touched on it at the very beginning, what is the game? So the game is um, a scent tracking rescue adventure game. So you play as as a dog, you play as um, Biscuit the Corgi, and you're kind of in a situation with your owner where somebody's in trouble and you know they they just saw you just for fun practicing scent tracking so suddenly you're th- kind of reluctantly thrust into this situation of there's literally nobody else around that can help so you do what you can i mean as anybody would do you you want to preserve life you want to help people and that's really the the ethos of the game is you are helping people you're you're helping um in you know a kind of organic way you're helping people 
Um, you're helping ease suffering. You're helping people who are in trouble. You are um, sometimes solving mysteries. You're sometimes catching criminals. Um, but it's it's a scent tracking dog simulator with a story. I guess I would say. Yeah, and it's and it's one that I must say I've been really really enjoying my time with so far. Like those various different pillars that. there that all like they're built around as you say this this scent tracking component, but these pillars around all of that really work cohesively in a way that I'm really, really enjoying. If I, if I just, if Good. I just keep things really simple, I'll say things for the, for a full piece that people will see in the near future. But like, mm-hmm. I'm really, really enjoying the, the look, the feel, Thank the you. tone, the sounds of, of the game. And uh, I mean, especially those sounds, you can tell your experiences are really shining through there. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. It's something that I've. I mean, it's incredibly endearing, and I think like anyone. I guess we heard early in the year that the you know the the world lost its mind a little bit over Stray because of the the cat, yeah. and I mean people love dogs, so yes. I guess if I, if <laughs> yes. I if I go with the really quick pitch now, and something that a hundred percent won me over when I saw the in- <laughs> the email in the inbox, I saw one <laughs> word that said doggos, and you instantly had my download going. So, um, for anyone who's listening out there, adorable corgi. And if that sounds good to you, then go straight out there and get your hands up when the opportunity arises, because you'll you'll love said corgi, but you'll love everything else that's going on around. And as as you said, there's there's you know solving crimes, there's there's all sorts of different aspects and things that you can kind of leverage the dogs the, that dog's natural skill set for, in ways that are really engaging and enjoyable. And I'm really, really loving my time with it so far. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. That's that's so nice to hear. Thank you. I appreciate that. But one of the other really important aspects about the game, and and one of the really important focuses for you, um, when it when it comes to the the work on the game, has been around accessibility. Um, and yes. that is one of the well, one of the hottest topics in the industry these days. How do we how do we make games more accessible for more people, and what ways can we do that? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I. An area that I mean, we we hear lots about accessibility at kind of a very top level, I suppose, yeah. um, and how we want to make games more accessible. And we hear about you know, I guess if we use, even use a recent example, The Last of Us Part One, and all the accessibility features that have been added into that, and all. Uh, but what gets presented to the public typically, or even you know what I might see when I get a press release in my inbox, is we've added all these accessibility features, but they don't really dive into the granular of them. And, you know, for anyone mm-hmm. who maybe is fortunate enough to have not felt the need to, or, or, or has not required the assistance of, uh, of certain accessibility features, people kind of, some, some people will just tune out straight away. But I think what's really important here is that there's a very, not that you're abandoning other areas or ignoring other areas as well, but you've put a lot of, time and effort into a few really key pillars there that are really shining through even in my time with the game so far and I'd, I'd love for mm-hmm. you to kind of uh, talk through a little bit about what you've been trying to do there because it's it's really I mean vision impaired people for example mm-hmm. this is this mm-hmm. is a game that like this is perfect for you please please like don't yeah. don't miss this one it's, it's really going to be awesome in that respect but um, yeah I guess what's been the the process like as you're trying to work with these communities i'd imagine i assume there's been quite a degree of consultation as well what's it been like there to kind of develop there for that been. community yeah so i mean i i essentially really started the game design 
with um and this this is this is really the biggest thing in the world for me is is the the design of this game started with a seat for accessibility at the table that doesn't happen in gaming and in my opinion um the perfect game um is fully accessible and the average able-bodied player doesn't know it that's what we're that's our goal right that's we're, we 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 can't keep trying to solve accessibility by creating a game and then looking backwards and saying, okay, what UI measures can I retrofit this with? That's how it's yep. done. That's the standard. That's how everybody does it. And I flipped it around. I started with accessibility. And because of that, it was very easy. It was very intuitive to make this game accessible for fully blind people. It was very easy and intuitive to make this game for deaf people. Um, and it's all in the design. It's all in the process. And you can't just like slap all these, you know, clumsy UI uh, measures on there and be like, I did it. We solved accessibility. We're done. You like you, you just, we can't, we have to, it's time to evolve. Like the age of retrofitting accessibility into video games is, is gone. Um, and like, it's, it's really difficult because I don't want to come down too hardcore on this, but there are two opposing ideals that inform everything I do in accessibility. Yep. One, we are farther along the path of accessibility than we've ever been before in history and gaming, right? Absolutely. I, I, no I think we, that's, that's number one. Number two, which opposes that completely, is we have so much more work that we could be doing, and we're not doing it. I um, still so, agree with that know, too, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if we consider both of those things, we have to look at different processes, and that's, that's really what this game is trying to be. This game at the very start... Um, you know, I got the idea for the game just from walking my dogs and, and just seeing what they're doing. And I don't know if you've walked two dogs before. Walking yeah. one dog looks very random and erratic, right? It looks very just scattershot. They just kind of dart around. But two dogs, they'll kind of like point. They'll kind of like make a point when they smell something. And it, oh, yeah. it's like Absolutely. you can yeah. see because they both go for the same, you know, their, they recognize their the bodies same thing lines, at the same time, typically, yeah. That's it, that's it. So you can suddenly see where, oh, something smelly happened over there, okay. And um, that was kind of what started the game design in my head, and I'm thinking, like, dogs don't use their, like, they can do things we can't do, but none of it involves sight. Like, none of their kind of dog superpowers involve sight. They're incredible at hearing, they're incredible at smelling. So that's how the game started. The game started saying, what if we made a, a game that serves able-bodied people 100% and serves blind people 100%? What if we could serve two masters? And that's what the game's trying to be, I guess, if that, if that kind of answers the question. Yeah, um, and I guess, I guess the really profound thing there is, is that idea of it. Uh, sorry, I say profound, but like it shouldn't be. But that idea that be. like at the core like from the genesis of the the project whatever the game's project happens to be like whatever the core premise happens to be but with Mm -hmm. those pillars being there at the beginning would make such a difference because as you said you're not trying to change things you're not trying to retrofit things you're not trying to manipulate something to make it work you're like it's there just from from day one like those those pillars are there and and um in the current the current narrative is accessibility is expensive and you are not going to get your return because the disabled game audience is relatively small compared to the able-bodied audience um that's the current narrative it's accessibility takes time accessibility is expensive and i cannot stress enough how easy this was 
because yeah. accessibility was fused into the skeleton of the game from day one. Um, I cannot stress how cheap this was. It cost me nothing other than my time of reaching out to blind people and saying, do you want to test a video game? Um, I, I cannot stress enough how quick it was, how easy it was, how cheap it was, because I made a seat at the table for accessibility from the start. And that's, in my opinion, the only way forward. Absolutely. Something I've, uh, you just touched on there that I'd love to, to dive into a little bit further was the, the process of reaching out to the uh, you know, members of the blind community or vision mm-hmm. impaired community, or again, um, same idea with hearing and, yep. and presenting the game to people at a point where I, you know, I presume that the, 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 the feature set and the way the game operated was not always of this exemplary quality the entire way through. So <laughs> what, what does that consultation process look like as you're reaching out and saying, look, here, I've got this game and I'm trying to you know, do X, Y, and Z. Can you provide me this feedback? What, mm-hmm. what was that like? Um, well, I was fortunate enough before I made this game, I was already a bit embedded into the blind gaming community. So I'm, I was very fortunately placed to just be like, you know, in my circle, Hey guys, try this out. Um, but you know, I, I am part of a startup, um, that is a blind software development, uh, startup. And I'm the only cited member because audio software is not accessible. Really programming isn't either, but they're making it work. Um, so it's me and two, um, two other members who are fully blind and we are making games. Um, we're, we're working on, um, a few projects right now, but we, we started this and I, I suddenly, you know, had this social circle of people that I could be like, Hey, listen, am I being patronizing to a blind person? If I say this, um, and they're like, yeah, you're a jerk, but kidding, obviously, but they were, truly saying yes but let's reframe it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean i i had some very uh honest feedback um from a social circle that i already had going and and i was very lucky to have that because um i think that was one of the things that that kind of helped bring me to where i am on on the other side of it though if i didn't have that at all and for anybody listening that's thinking about adopting this process um all you need to do is is you know Look for, um, you know, the blind blind gaming hashtag on Twitter. Look for audiogames.net, uh, which is the, the premier hub for audio games, which is the genre of games that blind people play. Yeah. Um, there are places out there where you can just be like, listen, I've got a project. Uh, I need some testers. Is anyone interested? And you will get a lot of responses because, and this is, this is another kind of point. I don't know if you want to segue into this at all, but this is another point. Accessibility... It's, it's seen as with the same emotions as a charity, right? As how we treat a charity in, in modern life. We say, oh, somebody over there is doing some good. I love that. That's so nice. Like, that's not what accessibility is. Accessibility is good business. There are hundreds of thousands of people, and I'm talking to game devs here, hundreds of thousands of people that are just like chomping at the bit to consume your content and become your customers you have to bridge to uh, build the bridge to them. And once you do, they'll be knocking down your door. Um, because yeah. in game dev, the first, the hardest thing is to get your first, what, like 500 fans, right? If you make an accessible game, you will have the quickest journey to 500 fans of anybody in history. Um, because, they, and I assume that's because simply so many others currently aren't doing that at the level they need to be. 
Yeah, so, because so, so the community is going to latch on really fast. The game is going to take off like wildfire, presumably, hopefully. You know, mm-hmm. provided it's a, a good game, I guess, as well at its core. Yes. Um, that is obviously a still, still a key and important part. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, and we're, the, we're the community about takes hold at that point. True, yeah. Truly underserved communities that are just thirsting for content. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's simply good business to provide the opportunity for them to become your customers. That's that's how we need to talk about accessibility because that's sustainable. That's something that suddenly becomes best practice as opposed to, oh, you're making it accessible. That's nice. Cool. Conversation ends, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the reality, as unfortunate as it is, and not just about game development, but you know, all business, businesses are driven by the bottom line. Yes. And so if it makes monetary sense to do so well that's going to incentivize the developer or the local store or whatever the case happens to be to put that extra time in absolutely um and i think obviously it's absolutely still important to have that i think recognition of the what what you kind of touched on at the beginning there like that recognition of look what the you know this person or this develop uh, this development team or whatever the case is is trying to do to to elevate and support this community but there's there's others where that sadly may not be enough and so yeah mm-hmm. let's look at what what it can mean for the bottom line let's look at the engagement you can have let's look at the community that you can build and it's it's a yeah. fascinating way to look at it um yeah yeah and, we, and we it's and it's it. i think it's a complicated conversation still because there is a deeply ethical component to the whole thing and but you know recognizing that by like whatever your motivation you're servicing a, and supporting a group of people here that have not necessarily been supported and serviced properly for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It, it, all well and good, obviously, to have that purity as well. Like, it'd be great if, every, if there was a total purity to <laughs> yeah. the whole thing, but some might need that bottom line driving. And if that's what it takes to get the these sorts of products out there, then sadly, that's what it takes. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, we... We need if we need to view things in the terms of dollars and cents, that's fine. But you know, an argument can be made very, very easily and very, very clearly that there truly are hordes of of potential fans waiting for you to make your game accessible, waiting to throw their money at you. You know, why why would we look away from that? We just yeah. there's no reason to. Absolutely. And I guess in terms of the work that you have specifically done on the game, um, in regards to the accessibility, I think so, like some of that is, I mean, you've received a number of awards personally for what you've done on the game up to this point. Do I have that right? I have. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've been, Which I've is been very, very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's, it's the kind of thing where like, you know, it's, it, it kind of reaffirms your, your, um, you know, on, on the days where you doubt yourself on the, on your darker days, you can kind of be like, well, you know, I, I, there was an award for X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, so you know, maybe I'm doing something right, and it, it's it's a, it is a very nice feeling. I've been very fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, I mean, those sort of things really help. As I'd imagine, would also uh, some of the grants that you received from yes. uh, like from WA, for example, which I guess, and, and you touched on the 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 WA or the the Perth development scene before, and it's something that I don't know. Um, oh, actually, let, let's let's focus on the 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 grant in the first place. I mean, what was it like to receive that? Because I believe that's the that was the first ever. From, yes. from Screen West, is that correct? Yes, I I think there was a round of grants a few years before, but that 
th- that wasn't considered a pilot, and whereas the grant I received was considered um, a pilot kind of fund because they were looking to build something on top of that. They were looking for that yep. to be the first step in a process, whereas the previous grant, I, and I don't have a lot of information on the on the grants that were given and received a few years before mine, I'm sorry. No, that's um, But so they the the ground the round of grants um, of which one I was one of the recipients that was kind of the flagship I guess and saying we're gonna do bigger things in the future um, but we need to see how this does and yeah. that grant was really great because it it gave my project a lot of uh, validity which it had lacked before because I could go to I could go to stakeholders I could go to um fans i could go to anyone on social i could i could approach people and say this organization believes in this project yeah let's talk about the future and people would start to listen um and you know i i think that's a really big deal and a really important thing it opened a lot of doors it made people think oh okay this isn't some you know random person that's going to be on a new project next week um and built on the success of the screen west uh, grant um, I was then given an, uh, a grant award from Epic you obviously the yep the got the for that company. too yeah the Ep- Epic yep. Games mega grant yes yes the, the company behind Fortnite behind Unreal never heard of um, them never <laughs> no, heard of yeah them. little 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 operation little little, little operation. known Fortnite <laughs> um, and you know that one was massive too because suddenly you know there's a there's a government institution that that helps to elevate um, art Screen West, um, and they believed in my work. And now suddenly, I had you know the Mega one of the biggest gaming, yeah, absolutely, one of the biggest gaming companies in the world, who are like, yeah, you know, we believe in it too. And um, you know, I I really I really can't praise Epic enough in terms of their mission statement with these grants is um, this project needs to get made. What can we do? And they just like throw a grant at you, and there, you know, there are no strings attached, and that's a big deal because anybody who's received a grant knows. It's usually you've got to, yeah, you've got to jump through hoops. You've got to do what they want to a degree. And Epic is like, we just need you making things. Go do it. And it was awesome. It was really great. I'm very lucky. Yeah, and I guess it helps to kind of sustain the project through the oh, it does the, the inevitable yeah. ups and downs that a, a you know a game goes through when it's being developed. So yeah, ha- yeah having I that, mean, if nothing else, that financial support, I'd imagine, is really <laughs> yeah. really valuable. It really was because before the Epic grant, you know, I, I was I was working in pubs. I was, um, you know, doing find work wherever I could to to kind of get Make that income. Me. And then when I had energy, which wasn't all the time to then create the game um, in my off hours, I would I would do that. But but once the grant came in, I got to focus on full time, which was really incredible. Um, and, and again, like I can't praise the organization enough for doing that because it essentially gave me a job which was doing this thing that i was already doing yeah yeah it helped uh make make the the hobby the passion the 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 love uh yeah a job and i mean sometimes that can be perceived in a in a poor way <laughs> like in some yeah. cases like the you know making making your, your loves your your work can sometimes degrade <laughs> that but it doesn't seem like that's been the case for you no no absolutely not no no that's awesome. Now, another aspect there that we did talk uh, that you know I was going to touch on when we spoke about the the WA grant is the the Perth slash WA development scene more broadly. Um, we obviously hear about hotspots in Melbourne in particular, 
Um, Melbourne's mm-hmm. widely considered kind of one of the the real big hotspots in the in the country when it comes to game development. We hear mm-hmm. about you know growing efforts on the Gold Coast, and there's obviously other pockets. You know, South Australia is big. The kind of Mighty Kingdom being the the base of operations there, and and, mm-hmm. that, and then obviously there's a a great scene kind of go, uh, going up around it. WA is a spot that we don't necessarily hear as much about. Yeah. So yeah, and- as someone who who was there, I'd love to learn a little bit and pick a pick your brain a little bit about what the what the scene is like and where things are at and how things are going well the scene is that if you are in wa and you're making something creative you're making something digital um you know there aren't as you say there aren't the numbers of melbourne there aren't the resources um there isn't the activity but there is a real sense of unity in the sense that like if you're making something and you tell people like they're just instantly, you're you're behind. Everyone's you, a champion, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's really like wholesome and supportive, and um, you know, I, I can't really get into specifics in terms of like, oh, you know, seven pro- projects oh, that's released last year, whatever. But the the heart of it is that the community is just so ready to prop up people that are that are on their way forward with with projects like this and um so ready to promote your work and you know give you feedback if you want it and talk to you about it i've had some some conversations with some of the people in um let's make games is the is the name of the the organization um in perth um that that you know and um i've had some conversations that literally changed my processes in the game and kind of helped shape it um and you know as a solo developer those things mean the world because you after a certain amount of time you're like oh am i really is this okay am i really thinking like is this decision i've made a decision that somebody else would make i don't you lose the the normal thing about being too close to a project that you kind of yeah forest from the trees all those sorts of things so i cannot praise the the perth gaming community the perth game dev community enough uh, for the fact that when somebody wants to make something you've instantly got some cheerleaders and you've instantly got some support and and it's it's everything i mean i I hate to to make this sound like a uh favorite child sort of sort of question here but i mean you're obviously working (laughs) on an incredible title yourself is there is there anything that that you're able to talk about because i'm sure there's plenty of titles that are in development that uh aren't public knowledge yet and i'm not going to try and encourage you to spill the beans on anyone else's work there but is there anything that you're kind of looking at that others are working on locally that you've personally have taken quite a fancy to oh yeah yeah feel free to not shout out just one if you don't want to have to pick a single favorite well no i mean there was a game released just a few days ago i'll choose that one um oh me oh my um it was oh me oh my ai is the name of the game it was just released and it's um it is i can't tell you a lot about it because it's one of those things where it becomes something else as you play it in a good yep. way. You know what I mean? I mean, I think there are some titles out there like Doki Doki Literature Club, um, <laughs> yeah. Inscription. Um, there are these titles that... They need to be experienced. Morph, yeah. And change into something that you weren't ready for, but you love. And that's essentially what that project is. And it, it again, I, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it, it, it plays with the idea that like when you're image capturing, when you're doing an image capture online, that AI... Like, what if that was sentient? What if, what if that was a companion? And it, it really kind of plays with some of your 
emotions, I guess, in ways that you aren't ready for. In, and again, in a good way. So I, I would say check that out. Yeah, that's, um, that's probably... And I guess yep. for anyone listening, where can people check that one out? I know oh, that's <laughs> this is not Steam. your own work, but... Uh, on Steam, yeah. That's on Steam. And that came, I think that came out a few days ago. I think that that was out like on the on the 5th, maybe? Fantastic. September. Um, so yeah, it and you know, if you check it out, um, you know, price is absolutely reasonable. Um, chuck them a review because, um, you know, we need reviews on Steam badly for visibility. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool project. That's that's really really cool, and I'm I'm thrilled to hear that. That you know, I mean, as I mentioned they, off the top there, there's 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 a lot said about other pockets around Australia in terms of you know the the game scene, and to hear that there's some, I mean, we knew this, and even what you're doing is kind of proof of some of the fantastic games that are coming out there. But you know, to hear about <laughs> others, I think is really really important. So yeah, so thanks agreed. for sharing that one and. Thank you and for who knows we could have a, a laundry list of others if 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 I'm not careful. So. <laughs> absolutely so the game at this point lost and hound we're really close to release so i guess yeah getting a little bit more pitchy um, at this it has been point. released yeah yep. Yep, um we're for released. yeah for those that are oh, i mean it becomes fairly simple at this point but uh the game is available on steam yes. um i guess is there anything that we haven't already discussed about the game we've obviously touched on the accessibility we've touched on the core of the game as well in terms of how some of those systems work is there anything that you really wanted to focus on at all that perhaps we we haven't so far um might be valuable i think just to say that you know the game it 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 does something that i'm seeing is is kind of a bit of a trend now with you know plagues happening in the world and political unrest and and you've got organizations that are looking to to keep um already oppressed people down happening all the time um and everything is terrible. And like there's kind of this this trend in a few other games where what if like we we kind of weaponized hope and weaponized positivity into very literally changing the world around us and the game accesses that. Um and and that's feedback I'm receiving. Obviously I'm biased, it's my own project, but that's feed that's those are words from other Why people. Why would you be biased? Saying <laughs> ah, who knows? <laughs> um and other people are saying the game genuinely kind of sits with you and makes you feel good for saving that little boy that was lost. Um, it, it makes you feel like, oh, you know, I, I actually, through my perseverance, I can do good works. And um, it it helps with everything being the way it is right now. So I, I guess I just kind of wanted to mention that. So please, on that note, we've obviously spoken a lot about the game so far. Please make sure, I, as, as I've mentioned myself, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And please, uh, people, you know, check out the the written piece that will go live on the Player Two website in the in the near future. But um, if that's not enough, if you don't want to wait, I'll I'll <laughs> pop my hand up now and stress like I am having an absolute blast with the game. Um, really so enjoying glad. some of those various different challenges from those different scenarios that you kind of face. Some of the ones that we described before. Um, and I'm really keen to see what kind of comes next with the the remainder of the time that I spend with the game. Um, I guess the the real call there is like, thank you so much for making this game. Like I really really enjoy oh, it, and, nice. I, and I'm I'm not even getting to benefit from the from some of those um, you know access, accessibility focused elements that we were dis, uh, discussing before. But it, I, I feel like I probably shouldn't be speaking for that group, but <laughs> like <laughs> I'm sure they are incredibly thankful as well for a lot of the reasons you said before, like it's an audience that doesn't necessarily, you know, has maybe been considered an afterthought for far too long. And for those people yeah. to not be considered that way here. Um, and it, 
you know central to what you're trying to do i think is so important i'm sure i'm sure they're incredibly thankful for what you're doing as well thank or have you. done thank as well you. thank you yeah yeah and you know i i really do get a lot of kind words um and and to be clear i mean they're there are audio games out there and they're largely produced by hobbyists and, and respect to res, full of respect. I say that, um, but they're, pres, they're created by hobbyists at the hobbyist level. And I want to take lost and how, and I want to say to game developers flip the process around and, and you can make games for these people too. That's really the point more yep. so than bringing a game to the blind audience is saying we have to switch our thinking to better serve these people. Um, but thank you. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that you're enjoying it. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And again, for, for the listeners, uh, be sure to check out some keywords on the Player 2 website in the near future. I'll stop plugging though, because otherwise <laughs> it'll look like you bought me off. Um, and you absolutely have not. Um, so as we, as we start to wind things down, I'd like to zero back in on, I guess, you and, and your journey and how we've gotten to this point and maybe where we're going in the future. Is there anyone out there that's really inspired you in the way you go about your work? Anyone that maybe you've worked with or you've looked at from afar? We obviously spoke about those those heroes that we kind of look, you know, that we can find ourselves looking at early on in the piece. Like, is there anyone there that really, I guess, acts as a north star in some ways? Um, you know, I I don't think there is explicitly. You know, I mean, I I will say in a broader sense, I do lean on my friends and family very heavily. Um, and you know, this game wouldn't have been made without their encouragement and support. My parents, um, are great. They've been supportive this whole time. Um, and I think just having that support network is what made this game possible. So, you know, I would, I would just say in, in a broader, in a more general sense, I guess, um, friends and family have, have been absolutely everything through this. Um, and my wife as well. She's been my number one supporter through everything. Um, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have that community to kind of to kind of lean on. No, that's that's fantastic. Have there been any particularly valuable lessons or experiences you've learned along the way? And I'd imagine with a game like this and some of the things that we've discussed that you've been focusing on, is there'd be plenty. <laughs> but is there anything that really sticks out? Something that yeah will yeah, really help so, guide even going forward. Um, the, I, the probably the biggest problem with somebody who's able-bodied making software or whatever kind of interact interactive experience for somebody who is disabled is you're going to design something um you're going to address a problem that doesn't exist the way you think it does and that is a hundred percent what i did in this game so i um when you move in this game if you're using the keyboard with wasd you the dog the dog changes the way that it moves but the camera doesn't so I designed a system that locked the camera to the movement of which way you're facing if that makes sense so I mean you're always looking forward essentially when you're using the arrow keys instead I made this so that blind people could have a way of the camera moving with the the orientation of the dog and they didn't want it and they hated it (laughs) and they found it really confusing and it was such a moment of like Oh, I guess this is what hubris is. You where like, <laughs> yeah, where like you make something and you're like, oh my god, I'm amazing. I designed this system, and it was I was trying to fix a problem that wasn't there because blind people didn't want to move the camera around. Um, yeah. They wanted to play the game in a sort of grid system, right, where the camera always points north the entire time. Um, so when a blind person is playing this game, they want to go forward, backward, left, right. And they'll gather that information in their head of where the scent trail is. 
Um, yep. They didn't want the camera to move because that changed everything. That remapped everything in their head. So yeah, right. I, I think that was probably the biggest one of the biggest lessons I've learned was talk to people about their specific needs and wants before you design and something design for them. Because it's just yeah, it's just it's just hilarious heartbreak if you don't. No, that's that's really fascinating insight. I'm sure. Again, I mean, you know, like we were touch uh, when we we're talking directly to developers before. I think that's another really important thing for people to consider. So, yeah. and and your yeah. experience is kind of proof of that. So, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. people kind of take something from that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Some fun ones as we wrap up, though. <laughs> Are there? Is there any game or multiple games even uh, that? you wish you could be credited for if you could be credited for any game in any capacity what any game would you game. pick wow is it um, you know, we're going right back to Diablo 2 is it wow. someone, you know, someone that's doing something particularly well um, in the, the accessibility space you know, anything um, wow god that's a hard question um, if I could be credited for anything you know what I'm actually playing a bit of lately is an older game um, is um, did you ever play Magicka I did. The, the, yeah. yeah. So the this the way spells are constructed in that game is like blowing my mind. And I played the game years ago too. But I think just like the way the way that it handles spell casting is different from every other game because like you for anybody that hasn't played it, you choose your element, right? Let's pretend fire, we're choosing fire. You choose if you want it to be a projectile like a fireball. You choose yeah. if you want it to be a beam. You choose if you want it to be a shield around you. You choose if you want it to be a enchanting your sword and I I think that customization of how people can play the game is really incredible and I think that almost speaks to accessibility in a way because like if we whittle it down if we distill accessibility down to its simplest terms it's just customization that's all accessibility is it's saying you want to play the game like this let's make it happen um, that's all it is. So, I mean, if you can find a game that has incredible customization in how you play it, such as the way you cast spells in Magicka, there are lessons to be learned there on things like accessibility, even if it has nothing to do with it. Um, so, I, I, I don't know if that was the answer that you were expecting. No, no, but It wasn't the answer I was expecting, but it's a really fascinating one at the same time. Yeah, thank you. And Magic is a great fun game at the same time as well. It is, yeah, yeah. Oh man, my. I mean, I played it. I I just kind of rediscovered it. I guess I was playing it yesterday with a friend, and like my throat is sore from laughing because there's friendly fire in that game. Like oh, you'll yeah. there. There are two yeah. states of the game, right? You're doing amazing spell casting. You're blasting your enemies. You're you're and your you friends. look like it's a movie. Yeah, you look like it's a film, right? You're just doing incredible things. The other state of the game is you're accidentally blowing up your friends which is hilarious because it's like it's like there's this like beautiful spell casting phase or like reducing your friend into like molecules in the air yeah it's it's, (laughs) oh it's just it's so funny yeah i mean maybe a similar answer for the next question if you could go back and replay any game strike it from your memory and get to re-experience it from scratch oh man what game immediately Morrowind came to my mind immediately oh, yes. because oh gosh just the the just the way Morrowind and and for people who aren't um Elder Scrolls fans that's two games before Skyrim which is obviously a big one <laughs> cuz Skyrim um, is the 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 genesis point of everything in that yes, franchise now yeah absolutely and I love Skyrim I I'm, I'm not I'm not gatekeeping so, I love Skyrim yeah, no so so do I but um Morrowind it it respected the it just it respected its players so much 
because it it didn't give you waypoints. It didn't say go find this fake little marker that's way off in the distance and you can see it all times. It didn't do that. So like if you needed to do something, it would be like, all right, go to this town, follow the river northwest, turn right when you see a big boulder, and that's where the family crypt is or whatever, you know. And and I felt respected. I felt like the game wasn't kind of holding my hand at all it was saying you're smart you can do this as a player you can handle this go do it and it's, it's like I, I kind of miss that because I, I think that there are a lot of things and and again we can turn this back to accessibility in the sense that if you can make a game that gives your player all the information in a natural way and not in a kind of like fake UI kind of way you're showing them respect. You're saying you're capable of this task. And that's there's there's kind of a there's kind of an element of patronizing your players in a lot of the ways that, that level of hand that goes on. That's it. Yeah. It's you know, a lot of the accessibility is like, all right, the, a tooltip will pop up, it'll be like, if you need extra assistance, here it is. And like it's cool on the one hand that they included that, but on the other, they're you're 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 dividing your player base yeah. people who need help explicitly and people who don't have shouldn't nots. do that yeah. yeah like we need to find ways through through clever game design to give people what they need without tr making them feel apart from everybody else um by things like tooltips if that makes sense well i mean your example of morrowind is like is a fantastic example i remember playing that game at the same time as you know several friends back in the day oh my god mm -hmm. i can't believe how long ago it is now but um you obviously know you, you mentioned kind of an example there you know go here and then follow the creek here and then do this and do that and like there, there was me there was friends that go oh yeah sweet and they just daisy chain all those steps and off they go and they're, oh, they're done me i'm going hang on give me one sec scribble <laughs> this do that yeah. and i just i made the notes myself and it like mm -hmm. th there's no like the, there's no judgment from the game or anyone creating it's like yeah here we've 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 given you what you need now you address that the way that you need do what Absolutely. you need with this information to, to get to from point a to b and so yeah. i'd have like sticky notes all over the place and bits of paper <laughs> that just highlighted okay and then they'd be crossed out once because i've now gone and completed that quest but like i had the prompt okay i need to be here and when i'm here i'll go do this this and this yeah and yeah. eventually i'll just be kind of knocking off these quests or whatever your know, little objectives or just follow some kind of th uh, thread to whatever the location happened to be based on what the game provided me yeah in my yeah, own absolutely. way my own place and my own time and i still achieved everything those yeah. friends who just i don't know just kind of ran off into the had, the had that memory for it that could just kind of you know hear that yeah. instruction once and off they go or read that instruction once and off they go yeah and and i i sound i know i sound really severe when i talk about this accessibility stuff because again it goes back to the fact that game developers are doing more than they've ever done to help further accessibility and it's amazing and we're still failing in some ways so you know I, yeah. I i know i sound really severe but like you need to find a way to let your players succeed without it being some kind of extraneous added feeling that is usually yeah. comes in tooltips or you know extra a sense of extra like like it i, I just have to uh, and i've been told this by some of my um, gamer friends that that have disabilities, like it it must feel so kind of like just dividing you from from able bodied players if all of these extra communications come and they're targeted at you. That would I I might be wrong. I I would feel very dehumanized 
And and yeah, I think it's, it's all addressed through game design at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's super super important. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, if it's a if it's a central focus at the beginning, if it's a key pillar, then there's a good chance you're going to get it right. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Doesn't, yeah. Nothing's guaranteed, of course, but there's a good chance you're going to get it right because <laughs> the the thinking is there at the forefront. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far, talking thank about you. Lost and Hound and, of course, other really punny game names as well. Um, <laughs> but you know, sharing this journey, sharing this focus and, and all that's gone into it so far, I'm incredibly thankful to have you on the show. And as we've discussed, I hope lots and lots of people find this game and that it thank you. Thank is you. really impactful for them. And if nothing else, they just really enjoy it like I am. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you for having me on the show. I've absolutely loved these discussions um thank you so much i've i've really enjoyed this and i i really um consider it kind of a a moment of arrival in a way that that you know your organization is interested in talking about the game that's that's kind of big for me and i really appreciate it thank you and if people want to see more of what you're up to on a you know on the more day-to-day sort of level social media Mm -hmm. side where should people go um, yeah, probably Twitter, I guess, would be uh, one of them. Um, TikTok, Instagram, really just, just you know, Lost and Hound. There's, this, this kills me. There's a Shopkins, the kids' TV show Shopkins. There's a Shopkins episode called Lost and Hound. I'm, tr- yeah. I'm slowly, like, Trying like to separate. removing them from Google, which feels oh, amazing. Nice. But, um, but if you just Google Lost and Hound and then your favorite social media, you'll find me. Um, and and that's that's pretty regularly the way that I kind of keep in touch with fans. There's a Discord. Um, also, if you're really interested in the game and you want to talk with other people, um, and that is on my Twitter account. You'll find an invite in my Twitter account. Um, but yeah, just just Lost and Hound, and then either put Steam, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. And you'll find exactly what you're looking for. So please make sure to do so. Again, Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. I look forward to whatever comes next. Thank you so much. And of course, some incredible success for Lost and Hound as well. Yes, 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 absolutely. Thank you so much. And listeners, as always, thank you much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Brian's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>